0: And Acts was written by Luke, the same man that wrote the gospel, Luke. He was writing to a friend named Theophilus, and, and he was, uh, his whole mission and goal was to set aside an orderly account to tell it as it really, really was. And a lot of scholars you know, believe that Luke's gospel is the acts of Jesus, but the book of Acts is the acts of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit who is going to come on the day of Pentecost, which we will celebrate next Sunday. You're all invited to wear red as we celebrate the flames of the Holy Spirit coming down. But we know that Pentecost gives us the birth, the growth, and the spread of the church. We know Jesus has been crucified. We know he has been resurrected. And he's, he's made some appearances to these disciples as they are, are still there in Jerusalem. They're, they're waiting. And so we turn to the first chapter of Acts, starting with verse 4 and going through verse 11. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is Is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? See, they they, they still don't get it, do they? They still think this is going to be an, uh, an overthrow of the Roman government. He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God. You know, in last week's sermon, we heard Jesus uh, as a part of his farewell discourse, and we talked about some of the painful goodbyes that we have had to say to individuals, and I encouraged us to never take any goodbye for granted, because you never know that's the last time you're going to see that individual. But today, we have what what we might call the mic drop moment. Do we know what a mic drop moment is? Somebody just finally just says the right thing or has the right performance. They just take the mic and they drop it and they walk off. In this case, the mic is dropped and he is lifted heavenward. And his mic drop moment is this. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they already were, and in Judea, Well, that's okay. And Samaria, where those people are, and to the ends of the earth, for these disciples, their world was pretty small, but now it is being opened up to everyone. And then he's gone, taken up in a cloud right out of their sight, a cloud that that is reminiscent of the cloud that led Israel through the wilderness, the cloud that, that was there at the mountaintop at transfiguration. And so we call this Ascension Sunday, when the Lord ascended. How many of you have been to Jerusalem, been on a trip to Jerusalem, and, and they take you to that site where the ascension happened, or a site very much like where it would have happened is their catchphrase. When, when we were there, it was fascinating. It was a human experiment in, in psychology. We're there, and they're, they're telling the story of the ascension, and every single person there looked up. Now, what we were looking up for, I have no idea. To see if this was the day he was going to come back down, there was something about us. We had to look up. But friends, the leaving of this world, the way Jesus did it, is almost as insplicable as the way he came to us in the first place. Amazing how it happens And so John Buchanan in an article wrote that modern Christians stumble all over this event trying to take it literally, to understand it in terms of space and time, but, he argues, the idea it represents is among our most important and most precious, that being he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God. Every time we recite the Apostles' Creed, we We mentioned that statement, and at at the confirmation service, there's going to be a lot more people here at 1030 for confirmation. We're going to hear that Apostles' Creed, that affirmation of faith read to us by one of our confirmands. But what is it saying? It says that God is not dead. Jesus is not dead, but is alive and is sitting at the right hand of God. Jesus is, to say, the authority, the final authority, and that is good news, that he is the final authority that it is not sickness it is not suffering it is not injustice it is not oppression it is not racism sexism or anyism no not even death jesus christ is the final authority and that's what ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of god really means and it's at the very heart of what we believe when we believe in this good news you know, when it happened, wherever it was, the disciples were confused. We would be too. You know, if, if one just was lifted up in our midst, we would be confused. We would be amazed. We would be astonished, just like they were. And they couldn't believe what they were seeing as they, as they, were, as they watched him go up. And then suddenly there's these heavenly visitors. saying, said, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you looking up? Your job is not up. Your job is Here. In the dirt, with the sweat, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up to heaven? It's time to stop staring and time to get going. It's time to stop pondering eternity and start thinking about the work of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Time to stop whatever you're thinking about withdrawing from the world and recommit yourselves to living fully in the world and the text continued, then they returned to Jerusalem. They did not go off to pray in a desert. No, they, they stayed right there. They went to work, the work of a disciple. To the ends of the earth was the challenge. And that statement could not be more clear. Jesus wants his followers, Jesus wants you and I to be right here in the world Jesus wants his people of every age not to try to escape from the world, to transcend the world, but to engage the world, to live in it thoroughly, to live their lives fully in the world, to love the world just as God loved the world, to respect and to honor and to serve the world just as he did. And yet many of us are still just looking up in the sky. Maybe you've heard that cliché so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. We are here to do earthly good. In the world, it is where the followers of Jesus are supposed to be. It's where you and I are supposed to be. The world, with with all of its messiness and violence and, and even its corruption, the world is still the object of God's love. The world is where God's people will live and work and love and serve and, yes, play. And Jesus promised the world is precisely where we will find our joy. It's where they would find their joy. In this event, the disciples had to learn that Jesus is no longer here to preach the good news. Jesus is no longer here to heal the sick. Jesus is no longer here to feed the hungry. The mission now falls to the disciples. It falls to you And me, When I was in seminary, my mind was opened up to reading many of the classics, these these words of God's men and women throughout time who who so uh, eloquently are able to articulate their faith. And one of the ancient uh, people that we read was Teresa of Avila, who lived from 1515 to 1582. And in one of her prayers, she wrote, God of love, help us to remember that Christ has no body now on earth but ours. No hands but ours, no feet but ours. Ours are the eyes to see the needs of the world. Ours are the hands with which to bless everyone now. Ours are the feet with which He is to go about doing good. Maybe we've heard that. I know that there's even hymnody written around that. There is no body now but ours, our hands, our feet, our eyes. Friends, we have inherited a call, the same call given to those men that were just staring up into the sky. Ours is a call to go from place to place, where we gaze into the clouds to the places where Christ, where, where the world needs Christ. Yes, we are called to be the hands, feet, eyes, and voice of Christ to the ends of the earth. And one of the things I love about this community of faith is that we understand that our real mission and ministry doesn't take place within these walls And we are called to engage beyond these walls, and we do. We have literally sent our people, and we have supported other people who have gone to the ends of the earth with good news, with good works, with the love of Christ. We are called to love. We had a funeral here in the sanctuary, although I don't like to call it a funeral. It was a celebration of life, and it was a celebration of a life that was lived very well. It was the celebration of Betty Brandt's life, has been a part of this church for decades. And we really were under a time crunch because the, the family that came in from Michigan didn't have the opportunity to stay till Monday for the burial, the committal service. And so we had to be out at the, funeral, or at the cemetery by 3.30, or, or I don't know what the order would have been there. Uh, but so we gathered. It was just the immediate family. And, you know, I, I went through my typical committal service, and I, I said, you know, we didn't have an opportunity to do all the sharing that we wanted, and it was maybe intimidating to say some words about grandma or mom or, or great-grandma. Is anyone here in the family that would like to say a few words? And there were some beautiful words spoken. And then one of the daughters-in-law said to uh, the rest of the family, did you know that Betty was multilingual? And I was like, I I read her obituary. I didn't get any of that. And and the rest of the family just kind of shook their heads. What do you mean Betty was multilingual? She was many things, but I I didn't know she was multilingual. And then this daughter-in-law said, you know, An author, Dr. Gary Chapman, wrote something called The Five Love Languages. And it was originally written for husband and wife or partner and partner, but it has been expanded, these five love languages. And that's what made Betty multilingual in the eyes of her family. The love languages, words of affirmation, saying supportive things, and they could all remember some supportive thing that Betty said. And you and I are called to love the world With words of affirmation, making the world a better place with their positivity. She also spoke the language of service, acts of service, doing helpful things. One of our Methodist tenets that our confirmands certainly learned and have taken to their heart is one of our three rules is to do no harm, to do good, and to stay in love with God. Acts of service, and they shared ways in which she had been in service to them, She also spoke the language of gifts, the giving of gifts that tell others that you were thinking about them, and uh, Sue Stanley, I think, stunned the world when she got up and talked about one of the gifts that Betty gave her when she and Tony became engaged. Betty Brandt gave Sue Stanley a teddy just before the marriage. If you don't know who that is, for those of us that do, it was quite a statement. It was quite a story. (laughs) Betty spoke the language of quality time. And friends, when we love, we're not just supposed to swoop in and throw money or throw food. We're we're supposed to spend time. Perhaps the greatest gift, the greatest language of love is to spend time with one another. I did a premarital session uh, just yesterday for a couple that's going to be married this summer. And we were talking and and they talked about how the world of the pandemic has has had them spending a lot of time together. Even though they both work uh, crazy hours, they've spent a lot of time together. And, and the fiancé, the, the young man, said, you know, I can spend uh, 24 hours with Brittany and, and feel like I want to spend more, like I didn't have enough time with her that day. The gift of time. But the final language that made Betty multilingual in the eyes of her family is the, the, the gift and the language of physical touch, to be close to, to give hugs. And, and we've had a year where giving hugs has not really kind of been a thing, and I'm, I'm kind of a hugger. I, you know, we, we've even had to kind of go away from shaking hands for the time being, which is why when we leave, we kind of give the Easter elbow to one another as we as we depart. But these languages of love that Betty was able to model, that's That's the call for all of the disciples. It is the the collective work of everyone who is a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is the work of love. And as Luke tells it, he is less interested in the event as a personal one, this, this ascension of the Lord. But it is more important to Luke that they understand that they receive this together. And that they are to model it into the world, into the future. It is this event that sets the stage for the birth and the growth of the church. This risen and ascended Lord says no to the disciples' eagerness to talk about the restoration of the kingdom and to establish a calendar date for the ways of God. They are instructed instead to wait, to wait, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and to go about their business as witnesses to this Easter faith, Easter faith. Every morning is Easter morning from now on. We need to live out as Easter people. But as I mentioned, this is a confirmation Sunday. And confirmation sets the stage for the birth and growth of the church just as this event did. And, you know, Pastor Andrew, uh, when we were interviewing, when I was interviewing him the first time, he said he just despises that statement, the church or the children are the future of the church. And says, no, they are the church now. Now. And so we realized that confirmation is not a finish line. It is something far different. And so each of our confirmands had to come and to uh, write a faith statement. And so rather I'm going to invite you to come on up. Every, every confirmand was invited to write a faith statement to talk about what their faith means. And I wonder when you were 14, what kind of a faith statement might have you actually given? And so Riley gave one that was uh, pretty good, and we've asked Riley to share it with us at this service. So Riley, can you just introduce yourself to this congregation first? Who are you?
1: Where do you live? How'd you get here? Um, Hello, I'm Riley. I live on the other side of this wall right here. (laughs) Um, I think I've been here for nine years, pretty sure, or eight. And I've been um, coming to this church almost like every week almost every day. It seems like you're in this building.
0: He is the son of Dan Murphy, who is our building manager. And uh, so Riley, um, you're going to go off to high school next year. And because you live on the other side of this wall, that means you're going to uh, Whitefish Bay High School. Are you you excited about that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. He seemed pretty eager about that. All right. So Riley, uh, and as Riley is sharing his faith statement, and some of you in my Wednesday, uh, small group uh, heard it I read it to them I hope that's okay with you since you're gonna give it to the whole world right now Um, But again what kind of faith statement what kind of truth
1: would you bring to this exercise so go ahead Riley okay Um, so we're supposed to write our faith statement this is something that I've tried to avoid for some time now and I can no longer put it off I can list all the church activities that I've participated in the past nine years since my dad started working here at the United Methodist Church. Wednesday night lives, choirs, musicals, plays, journey to Bethlehem, rummage sales, pumpkin sales, delivering advent packets, confirmation classes, the list is long and will continue to grow as I do too. Our faith statement is supposed to be a comment on our journey. For me, I find it hard to sum it up. For me, I've had a good start, but feel that I'm not at the end. More in the middle. This journey isn't over at the end of my eighth grade of school. My dad says he's still on his journey and still has many questions. I'm guessing that will be the same for me. All I know is for sure that I'm loved by many people at the United Methodist Church. But most importantly, I'm loved by God. I know that I'm less than perfect, but I know that God loved me. And that's all that matters. I have some great memories and plan to have many more to come.
0: Thank you very much, Riley, and I hope it's not just the middle, because I hope you're going to have a long life to be able to live that out in faith. Can we just show God our appreciation for work speaking through Riley? You can return to your seat. And so these five young people who are going to be confirmed and brought into membership this day, these, these new church members and confirmands all around the world are the ones to keep the mission and ministry moving forward. Riley said, all I know for sure, and like those disciples who really didn't quite get it yet, they, they were watching Jesus depart from them. They really didn't get it. But Riley said, and I'm sure those, those people would agree, all I know for sure is that I'm loved by many people here at the United Methodist Church, but most importantly, I am loved by God I know that I am less than perfect, but I know that God loves me, and that's all that matters. And so, friends, I want you all to know that God does love you, and that really does matter. It's all that matters. But what matters beyond that is that we are called to respond to that love, not pie in the sky, but right here in the nitty-gritty, doing the faithful work of disciples. May God strengthen us by the power of the Holy Spirit to do just that. Amen.